It's funny because I don't even know how, if agencies aren't setting goals, I don't know how you're even coming up with activities because a lot of times um, we'll know what kind of campaign we need to meet that goal and then we'll do a brainstorm and just working backwards is how we've come up with some of our coolest, like most original ideas. Ground Up, episode 29. Between the two of them, Jessica Miller and Sandy Young have 12 years of collective experience in working with and growing PR 2020 into one of the premier digital marketing agencies. And that's not hyperbole. They've written the blueprint, both literally and figuratively. As Paul Reitzer, founder at PR 2020, has published two books on the work that they've done, experiences they've encountered, and ultimately the lessons they've learned in building and sustaining a great marketing agency. Pricing and packaging, profitability, goal setting, employee and client retention. As someone with a background in the agency space, PR 2020 was an agency that I always looked to as one that had it all figured out. So what is it exactly that they figured out? Pete recently spent some time with both Miller and Young to hear firsthand the lessons learned in delivering great client experiences and ultimately growing a great agency. I'm uh, joined by two... uh of uh, PR 2020's all-stars, uh, Sand- Sandy Young and Jessica Miller. Um, both been there for a few years. I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, and then what we're going to dig into today uh, is around how how PR 2020 uh, works with clients, both pre and post-sale, with a heavy emphasis on what they do after they become a client, uh, how they work with them to, to run basically performance-driven uh, campaigns and, and relationships. So uh, I'll have the two of you introduce yourself. I don't know who wants to go first. Yeah, I can jump in. So I'm Sandy Young. I'm the director of marketing. I've been at PR 2020 now for about five years. Um, so in my current role, I mostly do the strategy and execution for the PR 2020 brand. So that includes content marketing, social media, the site, um, lead nurturing and workflows. Um, and I also work with clients as well. Okay, got it. Excellent. It's been five years. Yeah, that crazy. <laughs> it been, that is that is crazy. Yeah, I feel like things things have gone fast over the last few years. It has. And Jess, you you top her a little bit on your longevity there, right? A little bit. Um, I've been at Pure Twenty Twenty now for just over seven years. I'm currently our VP of Services. So a lot of what you talked about in the intro, Pete, just overseeing clients from a high level. Um, are we meeting the goals that we set out to in the sales process? How is everything going? Um, you know. Are we delivering on those performance goals is my main metric. But overall, I'm responsible for the growth and retention of our client accounts. Awesome. And before we get into it, uh, I'm going to gonna throw a surprise question in here for you. Um, what is it like working for Paul Reitzer? I'd say it's fun. Um, <laughs> he's such a visionary. I think he's kind of always looking for what's next. Yeah. So it's on us to kind of keep the, the ship going and steering it slowly toward the direction that Paul's headed in because yeah. he is kind of a few years ahead of a lot of our clients in the industry. So, yeah, I mean, you know the story through the HubSpot partnership and yeah. really us there. Um, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of what we do working with Paul is just bringing his vision to life. Um, he'll have a whiteboard. Yeah. It'll have a lot of crazy notes. Yeah. And it's kind of on us to interpret that. Um, yeah. Him moving and I'm <laughs> just keep things Keep things going and actually implement some of his ideas. Yeah, yeah. For the, those that don't know, Paul started PR 2020 from his uh, 
um, his dining room table in uh, in Ohio uh, mm-hmm. after a short stint working in a PR company and realizing that there was a opportunity to uh, to do much more performance driven marketing. Uh, and he, you are now how many people? At Pure I'm around twenty. Yep, twenty. And then um, you know, Paul's written two books: uh, the Marketing Agency Blueprint and the mar- and if I get this one right, the Marketing Performance Blueprint. Is that right? That's right. And then you also have the Marketing uh, Agency Institute, um, which provides training to agencies, and then more recently, the Artificial Intelligence Institute. Right. Yeah, the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute, and then we also have Marketing Agency Insider. Okay, Insider. I got it wrong. Yes, thank you for the correction. (laughs) And um, are you involved then, Sandy, with marketing all of that? Mostly Marketing Agency Insider. Um, Uh We recently rolled out point pricing um, to train agencies, so I've played a big role in that, and Jesse does a lot of the presenting in that as well. Okay, got it. So it's very much a team effort there. It definitely is, yeah. Cool. Um, and then, uh, so recently you both collaborated on some articles, uh, that really caught my attention as being quite forward thinking or ahead of the curve of most marketing agencies, really most marketers on, on how to get, uh, executive buy-in and how to really do performance driven, or like I like to refer to as goal focused marketing. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, the exact buy-in. There's an article uh, titled uh, Six Expert Marketers Share Their Top Secrets to Get Executive Buy-in. We'll link to it in the show notes from the podcast. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to hear like a little story or two about what PR 2020 does and uh, maybe a story about how you've done that with a client or two, not sharing client names necessarily, but but talk about your experience with getting executive buy-in. Yeah. So just a little bit of background on that post too. It was funny how it worked out. Um, So we reached out to top marketing minds in the industry, around 20 of them, to specifically speak to performance-driven marketing, just wanted to get their take on it, because it does seem like something that, you know, universally marketers are still struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, And it came back, and a really common theme was executive buy-in, and it was a question that wasn't even on my list initially, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So I decided to do a post just on that topic, and I was finding that many of them were speaking to the fact that you know, you have to ensure that sales, marketing, and leadership are all on the same page or any kind of a strategy is just, it's going to fall flat. It's not going to work. Um, and another common thread too was, you know, you need to take data, tech, and talent and bring that full circle to really have that performance-driven approach. And that's another reason too that you really need leadership to buy into that hmm. um, because, you know, otherwise you're not going to have the right kind of talent or the right kind of technology in place to truly track that. Um, And that's something that we've definitely seen with our clients as well. Um, You know, really starting maybe probably with like a marketing manager um, and funneling that up to leadership and also connecting it to sales. And the most successful clients that we see, um, their sales team are just as bought into marketing goals. They really get it. They understand the technology. um, They understand what we're doing and they can really, you know, connect the dots there. Got it. Yeah, I just got off of a call with an agency, and they're they're just starting doing uh, marketing for uh, a, a specialized type of uh, doctor practice or uh, medical practice. And they had forty five physicians, and they told me that they're still um, building the website, managing the website in Dreamweaver. Uh, there's no like landing pages or anything, and so where, where most, and that's probably indicative of more companies than most. I know. Because we always hanging out with 
advanced marketers, it's easy to forget that most businesses are pretty behind in this stuff. So how do you go from, from that state where most companies aren't even using their website for lead generation or customer nurturing or anything to having the kind of executive buy-in you just talked about where you're aligning, you know, you get your, you have the right tech in place, the right data in place, the right metrics in place, uh, and the team that can, that can execute on that. Yeah. And I think in those cases, a lot of it is proving to leadership that they actually do need to build up their online presence. You know, if your website is slacking, proving that's where their audiences actually are. We do our research, we show them the numbers and the data, and they're usually really sold on that. Like, we can prove that, you know, your buyers are there. They are looking for you. They want to be educated now more than ever. They don't want to have to contact you until later in the funnel in most cases. And once they see that, that they're missing out on probably like, you know, 60 to 70% of that segment, that's huge to them. And then they're bought in. And then we start usually with a tech stack. Um, we specialize in HubSpot. So, you know, we were actually the first firm in HubSpot certified partner program. So we usually can speak to that and start integrating them, getting them on HubSpot. Um, but that's usually step one. Okay. That too. Yeah. I think it really starts out in that proposal process. You know, even before we get to that step, it's a lot of conversations about, hey, what's your website on? Or even peeking behind the scenes using, you know, some site builder or a ghost type of app to just look at the code. If you see it's on Dreamweaver, ask them that in, you know, that first call, like, hey, when did you launch your website? Why did you Dreamweaver? You know, if that was 10 years ago, um, is it time for an update here? This might be why, like mm -hmm. all the reasons Sandy said. Mm -hmm. I think in our first call, we're definitely doing our homework to look at the tech behind a site, um, connect those like form fields. Hey, what are you most interested in? If it's generating more leads and your website can't do that, then we know that's where that first conversation has to go yeah. in order to set up to be successful in the first place. So if, if they're you know, not willing to put the budget behind and the time behind a new website, then we're not going to be successful in the partnership. So we just like to have those conversations early and often. Yeah. And a lot of times they're open to it. I think mm -hmm. they realize that we've put in some time to even look on the back end and see what's what's going on under the hood a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times those clients too, they might not be familiar with some of the performance technology. Um, so we ask for access to it and then we can kind of walk them through what's happening and what could be happening um, with their marketing program. Got it. I know, um, I don't know if it's just Keith or if the whole team or whatever, but I know you guys go deep dive into Google Analytics. Is that right? Oh yeah. Pretty yeah. early. In, pretty sure. early. In yep. your sales process, Got it. and then uh, what other tools are you using early in the kind of sales process to assess things? You have some of your own tools as well, right? Yeah, I was going to say the main one would be Marketing Score. Mm -hmm. Is that's like kind of our our own survey. Um, we're in the process of updating it actually, but it has you know more than a hundred questions that we get people to respond to. It takes about 10 minutes. So that's like another kind of litmus test for us. You know, if you're willing to put in some time to take a survey and tell us more about your business, that's a great starting point. Um, yeah. Good signal. And in terms of executive buy-in, um, we have a company portal version of it. So a lot of times we'll start the conversation with maybe a marketing manager and then we'll say, hey, if you found this useful, um, we found it to be a really good conversation starter. So we'll have them send a link to their CEO, their sales team um, leadership, the service leadership, anyone who's touched marketing in the past too. Mm -hmm. And it's 
a very subjective survey. Mm -hmm. So you're ranking from one to 10, the effectiveness of a lot of your traditional kind of marketing strategies and tactics um, and tech and talent and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a really good conversation starter. If a CEO ranks the marketing overall at, you know, 30% and then the marketing manager is ranking it at 70%. Um, It's it's just a good (laughs) conversation to have early. Um, And it kind of shows us to, okay, here's what leadership sees as the gaps. Here's what leadership sees as the strengths. And we have a few questions in there that are more business related. So how's the culture? How's the finance? Um, Stuff like that, that we can't change really as a marketer, um, as an agency. So we're really just trying to get those conversations happening early. Okay. Got it. Do you find that most of the time there's a fairly big discrepancy across the individuals inside an organization and the way that they answer those questions? Um, yeah, I would, I would say so. so I mean, it's, it's, it depends on how many titles you get. And if they're all <laughs> a 10 person marketing team might be less of a gap than mm. marketing sales, CEO, um, product, okay. stuff like that. So it depends. But. Got it. Got it. And so that must go a long way in getting executive buying because you're pointing out to them uh, the, their individual perspectives and how different those are, which is probably like a massive hurdle to getting buy-in if everybody internal to a company thinks something different about what they're doing, right? Yeah. And I mean, we can layer on a little bit of the more objective, hey, give us access to your Google um, Analytics account while you're doing this so mm-hmm. that if someone ranks website traffic as you know it's a strength and someone else ranks it as a weakness, we also have the data behind it to right. say, Here's here's a little bit more objectivity to the conversation, but yeah, it's it's a good starting point and it's really good for aligning expectations from the start. And it's nice to be able to tell something, someone something in their own words, mm-hmm. so you're more likely to believe your own assessment of your marketing program than mine as an outsider. So it's really just getting them to have those conversations right. themselves. But but much more efficient than asking them all this, the questions over the phone or Zoom Hopefully. or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so anything else around uh, executive buy-in that, that you uncovered um, in your I would say just survey? to add to the tools that we use, one more thing that we do often layer in, um, you know, there are a lot of free tools that we can use to speak to the market. Mm-hmm. So we usually do some kind of an assessment around their industry using like Google search trends, um, Google keyword planner, Ghostery, BuzzSumo. Um, we see what's being shared, what buzz terms are being talked about, just so we can come in and say like, hey, this is what your audience is reading. This is what they're looking for. And you might not necessarily be speaking to that on your current site. Um, and usually that's a great way to get buy-in and they see that we, you know, we've done our research. Yep. And you do all this before they commit to you? Yep. And you do it for free? We do it. I mean, we do that lightly when we dive <laughs> okay. into more of a marketing assessment or more of like a content strategy. That's when we actually will go through and spend hours like building out those terms. But yeah. we might just pop in there and look pretty quickly just so we can speak to it during the meeting. But okay, got it. So you're pretty efficient at, at getting in and out of those and getting a feel for things. Right. Yeah. The um, so as long as I've worked with with PR 2020, you have never, um, at least from what I've seen. Uh, needed clients like you always have more clients wanting to work with you than uh, than you've had bandwidth to serve them I think is that is that a fair assessment yeah we've never had to be super salesy and I think that brings the right kind of clients that we want to work with to us Mm -hmm. why do you think that is you probably know I think you've had enough exposure to other agencies you probably know that that's pretty uncommon right yeah. I, I mean, one, it goes back to the culture. I think we're trying to create for our team. 
where um, we want it to be the right fit with client. If you're going to be working with these clients for six to eight hours a day, you know, Mm -hmm. we want, we want it to be a good fit. It's really important for team happiness and for that own professional fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think another reason why the right kind of clients are attracted to us is because the content we are trying to create from a marketing perspective or from Paul's speaking um, sessions and stuff is it's tailored to a certain audience. So if Paul's speaking about um, marketing AI for the next year or so, he's obviously trying to target people who get it, who they see the potential. Um, They want to work with an agency who's looking ahead. Um, The post that you mentioned, if someone, if someone gets it, like, Hey, this is how we're setting goals. And they, they read that and they want to work with us. Then it makes it just more likely for that cultural alignment to already exist. Right. So, so I do yeah. think it's part of the intentionality behind what we are doing. Yeah, and the the combination. It's interesting. Like I've I've seen a lot of agencies um, just go crazy on their blog, and they produce a lot of blog content, and that's grown their traffic. Um, but with with PR twenty twenty, you've always started with the more advanced content. Like the book, it would be the extreme of that. But you've also produced courses, and I think the content that you put out you do a lot more research and editing and writing than the average. Uh, it's more, it seems to be more thoughtful, more original, like original topics, original thought than uh, the majority of agencies content. And so I, I, to back up your point, I think the reason you're able to be selective with clients is because you put so much uh, original thinking and thought and research into that. And it shows. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes me really happy to hear you say that. <laughs> and I'm sure you've noticed that over the past like quarter, we kind of did a reboot of our blog itself. Yep. Um, and we've been publishing more often. We've been publishing twice a week. And it's not even about frequency, like you were saying, though. Um, you know, we did a full on marketing assessment of our own audience and we came up with a three month game plan for the blog and have been sticking to it. Um, and like Jesse was saying, you know, we have to make sure that we're capturing the right audience and we're speaking to them and we're writing content that's valuable to them. Mm -hmm. Um, so if, and when they do come to us, they really get it and they actually kind of become champions of the PR 2020 brand. So it's really cool when it does work out that way. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I see you have like all half of half of my friends that contributed to this post. You got Bob Ruffalo from Impact and mm-hmm. LA, who's formerly of HubSpot. Mark, who's formerly my boss at HubSpot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Paul, Robert Rose. I don't know Michael myself, but or we don't know each other. I know of his name, of course. But how did you go about getting these contributions? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I've been lucky enough to, you know, over the years, meet a lot of these people just in passing. Um you know, through Paul's speaking at Inbound or at Marketing Profs. And I went ahead and just reached out to them with a prompt. And I was like, you know, I really want to get your feedback on performance-driven marketing. Um, This is why, because it is a universal struggle right now. And these people, I mean, they were all so willing and so happy to contribute. Um, And usually with a quick reply, some of them sent... probably the longest one, right? And oh it, yeah. Not to the uh, the second article we were talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you sent the longest one. Um, <laughs> oh, I meant no. I meant you have to. You had to nag me more than the rest. But I, I uh, good to know. I also sent the longest you response. <laughs> yes, you delivered. <laughs> yes. Um, but no. So yeah, it was really cool to see all of the feedback, and then I went ahead and broke it up into three parts. So there is another blog post coming soon too. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that. I can't yeah. wait for. Oh, we're doing this totally prematurely. Then I'm gonna have to. Yeah. Have to get back on and record. <laughs> Cool. Um, 
So let's talk a little, let's shift over a little bit more towards um, the actual like goal setting pro- process or how you go about uh, setting goals with clients. So what is that? When does that happen usually? And, and how do you go about having that conversation with clients? Yeah, sure. I would say it starts early, like we said. So it starts in that sales phase. Um, definitely it's built into the proposal. We love to have it in writing. This is the goal we agreed to. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to have benchmark data backing up whether we think we can achieve it or not. Yeah. And then we're constantly checking in on it. So once the client comes on and starts working with PR 2020, we have this other process called a marketing growth hackathon. And it's yeah. where we get those executives, um, marketing leaders, everyone in the same room in person, usually um, we'll travel or, you know, if we have to do it virtual, we do. But um, it's just like a half day to really look at that one goal that's in their contract okay. and all the ideas, everything that's been done in the past, um, look at audiences, look at milestones coming up, just get everyone really aligned around that one goal. Um, we break into separate little groups, brainstorm some ideas. We rank them by ability to execute. So is it going to be really hard to pull this off? Do we have budget to pull this off? Um, and we also rank it on impact potential. So okay. is, is a blog strategy going to help, um, you know, nurture leads? Maybe, maybe not as much impact there as a lead nurturing strategy or, you know, something, something like that. More direct, yeah. So, yeah, we, you, just, getting... you just packed like about four years of, of learning into like five minutes. It was very concise. <laughs> but I fear that they missed ha- like whoever's listening will miss half of it. So I'm going to unpack a little bit. So the first thing you said is um, you'd like to have benchmark or performance benchmark data or something like that. What do you mean by that? So a client will come to us and we'll ask, hey, what does a successful partnership look like? to you a year from today. Yep. They'll, they'll say, we want to be generating 100 leads per month. We'll say, okay, how many are we generating today? Do you do you know the answer to that question, number mm-hmm. one? And if you don't, like, give us access to your CRM, to your marketing automation, to your analytics. Um, do you have you know these type of lead generation events being tracked consistently across your stack? Um, how can we help you know figure out what that number is and then what's worked the best in the past to meet that number or drive leads if that's your main goal? Yeah. And are you putting, is your budget aligned with what it would take to either, maybe they're getting 20 goals per, or 20 leads per month now and they want to, you know, times five. Okay, are you going to put times five the amount of energy into it? Um, so we'll, we'll have those conversations. Um, if we decide, yeah. You, you say that in such a sweet voice that it's, uh, it doesn't sound as insulting as it is. <laughs> <laughs> not well, that it's really I mean, insulting it's like it's just a realistic question <laughs> yeah but yeah it's a good way of, of shoving it back at them right For yeah so sure. we're get getting them to think ownership. is the right way to think about it right yeah but then i mean once we have that the benchmark data to to have that realistic conversation with them um the lead might come come down the budget might come up okay. you know it's just it's giving us the ability to have a smarter conversation with the client yep um, so yeah, that's that's what we mean with benchmarking, where okay. we're at, what's worked in the past, and do we both agree on that goal that you're hiring us um, to achieve the timeline and the budget? It's got to be realistic, right? I think that one of the first tips um, in your in your article, uh, Sandy, was around setting smart goals, right? So uh, I always refer to the R as realistic, um, but. Uh, there's a a bunch of great tips. I don't want to gloss over them. We'll come back to what you talked about, Jess, but what what was your big, big takeaways from the article, Sandy, in putting it together? 
Yeah. And not to play favorites because everyone had really great feedback, but something I think that really resonated with how we set goals was John Benini's okay. um, quote on starting with having some kind of a North star metric. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said from there, your team needs to align around that goal and all of your activities should in some way support it. So okay. we find a lot of times that clients initially are leaning too hard on like vanity metrics. Um, and you know, every single activity that they should be doing should be funneling up to that goal. Um, so we usually recommend having, you know, what is your North Star metric that connects to business objectives that's really going to, you know, get that executive buy-in and sell leadership. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of like, you know, it changes the way that people think about marketing because then it's like, okay, this is connecting to bottom line business goals. This is impacting our business at the end of the year. Um, so thinking of it in terms of that and then also um, taking the next step and setting those campaign level goals as well which will okay. also, again, lead up to those bigger campaign objectives and program goals. Okay, got it. So um, I always have trouble picking one metric, but do you find that you can get clients to, to pick one that matters the most? Usually, yes. Like I have one client in mind who really leans hard on one metric, mm-hmm. but typically we find there's three to five main KPIs for a program. Okay. Um, yeah. So usually one is one is tough. Getting the focus on one is tough. Yeah. Yeah, because they want to do it all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And so you mentioned earlier just uh, about picking that one goal too. Why do you you guys stress just like one, the importance of one so much? It seems like it's an important piece of the puzzle for you. Yeah. I mean, we call it like a prime metric. It's at the end of the day, this is what success looks like. Can you say it in one sentence? Okay. Um, so it keeps us focused. And obviously yeah. there's a lot that goes into getting there. If you want to generate leads, but no one's coming to your website, then you need that supporting metric of growing traffic. Okay. Um, so we, we don't live in a, a bubble where we think, okay, we're just going to grow leads tomorrow. We know there's a lot that has to happen to, to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do try to keep the focus on, um, you know, at the end of the day, what does success look like? How do we, how do we really, sometimes you get an agency and you're like, Hey, let's do a new logo. Let's, you know, pitch this article, let's do all this stuff just because you have that extra support there for the right. first time. You might have a long list of stuff you've been wanting to do for a while. Yeah. Somebody so, that can do help me do my marketing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we understand certain, um, you know, certain building blocks need to be put in place so you can get to that yeah. prime goal. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it helps us focus the majority of the resources around what's most important to the client from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, and what's most important to whoever's signing off on that partnership proposal. Um, we understand, you know, something might change, you know, you might get acquired and you might have a different strategy. Okay, let's reset. Let's, let's talk about, is this still the the same most important thing mm-hmm. or does it shift now? And, you know, at that reset point, we'll kind of say, here's what's been done to date. Here's the performance to date, but we'll move. So I think having one is, um, like a goal. It's, it's aspirational, but for most of our clients, that account manager can tell you, hey, demos is our number one goal. We're at 30 out of 35 this month. Like we're almost there. We need to rally this week and get those five more demos. It just keeps okay. everyone aligned. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. It's a few months back at, at Databox, we were so close to our traffic target. Yeah. Um, and we don't, we, we have like uh, 10 goals that we track across the entire company. We call them our t- company top 10. Um, and it includes like revenue all the way down to like NPS. Uh, but one of them is our traffic and we were so close. So um, I actually sent an email out. You're probably recipients of it of like, 
asking people to help us out and we made it like right at right at uh like 11 something at night to the goal and so you you find that by having that one goal it allows a little more spirit to it like a little more focus on it so everybody knows what's up and willing to work a little harder at it both internal to the company as well as your agency that and i also think you know and just kind of touched on this but it helps to focus the relationship Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I think different client contacts that might not be as close to PR 2020 might not be totally certain what we're doing. So I think it helps to narrow that as well and helps keep us focused in regards to the activities that they're requesting too. Yep. Yep. Totally makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Um, Jess, earlier you also said something about like you're constantly checking the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me why you do that. And, and it sounds like could be three to five goals in some cases. Um, so, but like, why do you do that? What, how does it change what you do if you're off or above or whatever? Sure. So, um, yeah, I would say our account teams are in analytics and HubSpot and whatever systems they're using daily, mm-hmm. um, data box, you know, just kind of, kind of trying to make metrics that common language we're speaking with our clients so that recommendations are more, you know, um, data-based. Okay. Goal focused, as you said too, yeah. and um, yeah, I think so. Then we put together, you know, a game plan. And what activities are we going to do in the beginning of the relationship? It's very broad. You know, it's here's the here's the big ideas. Um, after that hackathon, it gets a little more um, concrete. We try to come away with a ninety day plan, mm-hmm. but yeah, then I mean, our clients want to see results early. They don't want to see three months of strategies and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, the performance tracking in place, that's one of those first items we'll do. Um, we'll put a couple quick win activities out there, see okay. how they go. And then we'll report to our clients the performance of those right away. So they start to get mm-hmm. into that habit of, hey, how this how this do against our top goal? Okay. Um, Can you give so, an example yeah. of some quick wins? Sure. Um, so let's say a client has a lead generation goal and they're going to a trade show in a month. And they didn't really think about that as a digital type of way to generate leads with maybe pre-show um, booking appointments or, you know, trying to secure a spot on the last minute panel that just opened up or doing some media relations, um, even social media, clicking onto that hashtag. Yeah. Um, some clients are sending people from their website to the show's website instead of having their own landing page, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's just while we're working on this bigger um, idea for lead gen overall, let's get this quick win of a, a mini campaign up for the trade show okay. to show them, hey, you can add these 50 online leads to the 30 appointments that you made at the show in person. Okay. So just like little things like that. Yep. That's a good one. Um, cool. So what else about um, goal setting? Are you, do you find you have to uh, revise goals, like uh, the number or the actual metric? That you're changing, like how often are you having that conversation with clients about um, revising it? You know, in my experience, it kind of depends on where they were benchmarked at. So, mm-hmm. and you know, and Pete, in your response, you had said, if you don't have that historical data, that's okay. Just pick something and start there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have had those cases where there isn't as much of a foundation. So um, we've used like industry standards to just go ahead and set those goals. And in those cases, we're changing them a lot. Um, trying to realign expectations and, you know, make sure that it's aggressive, but also doable at the end of the day. Um, But in other cases, usually we try to stay pretty on par with, you know, once we have that data, we're probably, you know, setting 20% increase at least for the year, let's say, um, and trying to stick to those aggressive goals. Okay. Got it. 
I would add, um, you know, we have that goal in the contract and if we're not meeting it and if, if that's why we're adjusting it, mm-hmm. then it's just like a, a really good conversation to have with your client and your team on why is it we're not doing the right strategic type of recommendations and tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what's not working or was the goal just off from the start? Yeah. So I think a lot of times it's a motivator to kind of look back, have that proposal's main goal at the top of your performance report and show how you're tracking against it at all times. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're, we're having like that type of conversation quarterly, I would say, Okay. you know, to see how are we tracking against our main objective here? We pull data, we ask the client some hard questions, you know, are things being held up um, because of the audience isn't there or because a landing page isn't converting? Or are they being held up because of an internal process? Maybe we're, we're passing things through and they're not getting approved quickly enough. Um, yeah, I hear that one. I hear that one once in a while. Just stuff like that. that uh, <laughs> it's just a good time to ask those hard questions yeah. and keep the conversation moving in the right direction when it is data backed. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, when we launched the goal fe- features and functionality in Databox, I thought there would be um, more more agencies that used it more mm-hmm. frequently. Um, and we, we do have several hundred agencies using it and on a monthly basis, updating the goals that, that, that they're setting, but it's, you know, several hundred out of several thousand of our users. And uh, we start, so we started digging in and we heard a lot of reasons why uh, agencies don't set and track goals with clients. The first one I heard quite a bit was that my clients have no idea what the goals should be. So what do you think of that one? I'm sure you've run into that. Maybe less now than you did in the past, but how did you handle that one? Or how would you handle that one? Yeah, I think we help them set it. So Mm -hmm. if they're an earlier company and um, they might need to show a board, you know, progress every month or every quarter, um, we say, okay, what would the ideal slide look like? Like that can be a goal. Um, And then we can show that longer term plan over a year for that startup type of quick pace like, hey, let's build the top of the funnel first and have a really good story there. Then while that keeps going, let's start building middle funnel. Okay. So so we can kind of help them map out goals realistically based on the timeline for their business or based on what they'd like to ideally show a board. Um, if it's like a larger enterprise, we might choose, you know, a pilot project we know we can win and meet a goal just to gain that momentum that require. Yeah. So if a client doesn't know, we, we try to consult them a little bit there. And, um, at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're working for that company. We're also working to make our clients look good. So what do they, what do they want on their resume? Like what would be an amazing (laughs) point? Like, I mean, I mean, sometimes that's like another good way to think about it. Um, what does success look like for them? Yep. Yep. Great question. And then, um, the other, the other uh, excuse I heard, which you, I think you kind of covered a little bit, is um, that they're afraid that they won't hit the goal or won't be able to hit the goal. Um, so how 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 do you kind of – it sounds like you you deal with it head on when that happens because it inevitably happens even for the best agencies that you don't hit that client's goal, right? So um, it's – and it, you walked us through a little bit of it, but how do you handle that situation? Yeah. And a lot of times since we are reporting, we check in weekly on performance and once a month we use Databox to show a full performance of where they're at, where they're tracking with their goals. We usually recommend that they're in correspondence if there's somebody above them to let them know where they're at. So there's never that shocking moment of, you know, hitting the end of the first half of the year and saying like, we're only at 40% what's happening. Um, So usually we do try to head those conversations off 
Yeah. So we're either prepared for them or we can do something and be agile and quickly change direction and do something different. Got it. That's cool. Um, I've been working on uh, I'm recognizing that this is an issue or a challenge for agencies and marketers. Um, I've been working on a methodology that we'll introduce um, to help help with goal setting and all that. So and I tweeted out like the headline of it the other day. It's uh, benchmark performance quarterly, set goals monthly, uh, revised revise plans weekly, and uh, monitor progress daily. Um, and it seemed to have struck a chord. And it's almost like, I don't know if you read that or not, but you you just walked us through that whole process. Yeah. <laughs> like You talked about how you do, you know, you do the changes quarterly. Um, you really look at the historical data, benchmark performance, and you talked about setting the goals and uh, monitoring it weekly with Databox with the client. And I imagine you're monitoring goals pretty frequently as your account management team is, right? Definitely. And, you know, it's it's funny because I don't even know how if agencies aren't setting goals, I don't know how you're even coming up with activities, because a lot of times um, we'll know what kind of campaign we need to meet that goal. And then we'll do a brainstorm and just working backwards is how we've come up with some of our coolest, like most original ideas. Yeah. You got any examples of the coolest, most original ideas? No, yeah. putting you on the spot. I would say um, for me, like one of our big clients is a real estate, a global real estate company. Um, and they create a lot of content at the national level. Um, so we're able to take that and repurpose it at the local level. So we know okay. we knew we needed, for instance, a lead gen asset. Um, and we found a microsite that they had created. We were able to repurpose something into a workbook. And then we actually, it was 40 pages. And then we recreated it into a smaller four page. And then also a leave behind asset for the sales process. So we were able to take something that was, you know, kind of far reaching and turn it into something that was localized and was speaking to their buyer specifically. Okay. Um, you know, so just a working more, a little more um, uh, consumable, it sounds like from 40 pages right. to four. Right. <laughs> and and, and incorporated into the sales process. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a really cool gated asset. We got a lot of downloads, a lot of recognition um, for their marketing team too. Okay. So, That reminds me of HubSpot because I used to create sales processes and Mark and and Halligan would look at it and say it's too complicated and too long and they'd make me shorten it. And they they were totally right. It's like the, you know, you can only buyers and salespeople only have so much time. So you can't be as thorough as you always want. So 40 page to a four page book sounds like that example. Um, Right. You've both mentioned a few times um, campaigns, and and I know you operate in campaigns. Could you just because that word means so many things to so many different people? Could could you first just define what you mean by a campaign? Yeah, I would say a campaign is something that has one one goal. So <laughs> let's say um, it's a I don't know what's a good example. Um, let's say it's your Q two blogging campaign, okay. and the goal for that is increasing traffic. Um, that could be different than your Q2 certain industry, let's say manufacturing lead generation campaign yeah. where the goal for that is a certain number of leads and they might cross over because you might be putting calls to action for lead generation okay. on your blogging content. Mm-hmm. But the specific goal of that blog is maybe it's visitors, maybe it's subscribers, maybe it is lead gen, okay. but it has a different goal than the other campaigns. Yep. And I think for us, a campaign is something that has a start date and an end date. So if we start it in Q1, we're ending it the end of Q1 and we're tracking what happened over those 90 days performance wise. Okay. If we wanted to have another campaign where we're kind of, you know, revisiting and re-promoting existing manufacturing campaigns. So past, um, 
for for lead generation again on an ongoing basis that has its own goal separate from that original you know launch of that manufacturing lead gen campaign okay got it awesome thank you and because it ties in with what how, how keith contributed uh to your article um the second article sandy on the goals where he said assign a goal to each and every campaign so it sounds like um it sounds like he was accurate because uh, like you said the same exact thing <laughs> without yep. a prompting Good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for those that don't know what's keith's role in the agency he's our vp of strategic growth okay and what the yep. hell does that mean exactly? Because I know he does a lot of work, but that sounds like one of those like fancy titles for somebody that just thinks all day. He does. Yeah. It, I mean, he's, he's our director of labs before that. Okay. He is really into the different techs and the different services we should be offering. Um, and he's like the type that learned how to code and has his own golf app. Like he's just, yeah. he just gets it at that, yeah. at that techie level. So yeah, yeah, whenever there's, you know, this, strategic opportunity with Databox to better show our clients performance metrics. He's going to take the lead, check out the technology, yeah. um, work together to see how we can introduce it to our clients and make sure it's working well for everyone. So yeah, I was Im- impressed with how Keith kind of just jumped into Databox and, and it like you've, you've, I'm sure you've played with it enough to know that we've put a lot of effort into making things simple, but there's also some complicated stuff that's, that's like, like step 16, and like he already he went he breathed through step one through fifteen and was already in step sixteen and that's when I actually had to like get on the phone with him and talk to him but he still figured out most of it on his own. Um, nice. I, since you keep bringing it up, what, could you share a little bit about how you use DataBox? Sure. Um, so every enterprise client that we work with, we just give them access to a DataBox. Um, so they most of our clients have you know a full funnel scorecard. They have a slide for brand type of metrics. Um, and then behind it, we layer in an insights slide. So we say, okay, what does that mean? Especially if we're their, you know, their main agency and we have insight into what kind of activities happened that, yeah. you know, the result of was those metrics. So then we'll have a slide for leads. We'll have the context slide. We'll have one for sales. We'll have one for loyalty context slides included. Um, that's kind of the standard right now. If a client has like a certain campaign they're running that they want, you know, an additional report card for after those 90 days, we'll pull one of those together for the client, make it a special edition type of report. Okay. But yeah, um, they get those on a monthly basis and we're kind of refreshing the data constantly and they come over with a highlights email. Um, so yeah, clients, it's something they pass along internally and circulate a lot. So we know, you know, they enjoy seeing the good visuals and then the why behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's a nice... Um, upsell opportunity for us too. If a client isn't on that enterprise package, but they still want a data box report, we'll include it as an add-on type of thing. Okay. Got it. Excellent. And then do you review the metrics and kind of the impact of your activities on a call every so often as well? Yeah. Most of the time we'll deliver it ahead of time, but we'll have that follow-up or our weekly. We'll bring it up. If we delivered it that week, we'll say, Hey, like, here's your scorecard. What kind of questions do you have? You know, did you see this interesting spike or this interesting dip? Um, here's why it happened. And we'll just, I think the more you speak data with your clients, the better aligned the partnership becomes. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a, a big part of that conversation and the relationship building. Got it. So um, clearly you have a lot of processes defined, but I know you didn't, and, you, and you've always been very process driven at PR 2020, but not as tight as they are now. Um, like, can you remember back to a day when like, when things weren't 
weren't as um, structured? You didn't have as much of a cadence to your client communication? Yeah. I mean, I think every account manager is just, we had the basics in place, mm-hmm. but um, there's a lot of autonomy here. Mm-hmm. And that's a great thing for people's careers yeah. because it's kind of like, it's on you. Like, hey, here's your client. Like, here's all these resources we have. It was never as organized as it's been today. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of times people are, you know, starting with a template, improving it, um, sharing it with a team. And then we insert that new best practice into the process. So, okay. So it's somewhat yeah. organic at this point. Yeah. And I think too, it depends on the client. You know, some clients are so high touch and they really appreciate having that weekly call in place to check mm-hmm. in with us. And others just want us to be, you know, that well-oiled, like outsourced machine that checks in maybe once a month to say like, they know we're completing everything. They, we use Basecamp for project management so they can check in and see that we're accomplishing everything we need to accomplish. And they're cool with that. So I think too, it's just kind of a balance of knowing what our standard is and then finding um, the right cadence with your client too. Yep. Totally makes sense. And um, in terms of uh, like before and after, if you can think back, you know, a few years back before everything was tight and, and how things are now, like what kind of impact on clients, like success and client retention has that had? Yeah, I think it's been really positive. Um, I'm specifically thinking before the Blueprint series, the two books came out. That really forced us to actually put it in a book. Um, And I mean, some of our processes might have changed since the second book came out. Mm -hmm. But um, everyone reads that when they start, if they haven't already. (laughs) Some internal kind of training courses that we've mapped out through our talent program. Um, So everyone's pretty aligned on what the processes are. And then everyone still has that autonomy to be able to make that game time decision and say, hey, my client needs something different. Here's why. Here's what we're doing. Here's why it works. You know, so so everyone's really kind of an owner um, of their client relationship. And I think having the processes in place is such a good starting point that we may not have had fully fleshed out before. But um, but it also gives you the ability to customize it because you know, hey, at minimum, here's what we want to do. And here's what's worked for so many clients in the past. Um, so it lets people have that starting point and then just do it better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that really helps clients feel like there's structure in place. And I think it goes back to finding the right clients too, because a lot of our clients will say like, we loved your biz dev process. We want that type of process for our marketing and sales alignment and program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can we make a survey? Can we make a sticky tool? Can we, you know, kind of put those steps in place? Mm-hmm. I think the right type of clients really appreciate our process drivenness. Yeah. Um, but then they also, <laughs> understand, yeah, <laughs> that we can be creative <laughs> you, so and adapt in real time for their needs. So yeah, so yeah it, it's kind of like a fit thing. It's kind of our employees are the same way. They, I think our employees kind of recognize and appreciate the process we have yeah. um, and that how it's set up to let them be successful. So, yeah. Yeah, that was years ago, and I don't remember the year. I'm horrible at dates, but um, where Paul actually gave like a talk on like how you lost all your clients one year, and it was probably literally like just like might even be before right when you joined. Just like, do you remember that period? Um, that before you, that was before my time. So that like, was before yours. No, I know when I've been here, we had one year where a lot of clients were just acquired or yeah, big economic kind of yeah. year. So. Yeah. I think I've lived through a mini of that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think that was before my time too. Yeah, I, I think that was before the books and everything, and that was the kind of the impetus for, for the you know some of the books and documenting stuff and being so process driven. So, um, 
So in terms of um, – I, I hesitate to use the word upselling because it's not necessarily that. But like growing your client accounts, your existing client accounts. Paul's told me uh, – and we've talked about this publicly as well. Paul's told me uh, that like he's intention- – you're intentional about it where you're, you're, you're try- you try to figure out how do we get a certain amount of our revenue growth out of, out of working or doing more for existing clients. And it's a good thing for the clients too, because you're adding more value, of course. So it's not not just selling something they don't need, of course. Um, but you're intentional about it. You set internal goals about it. You have processes around it. Could you walk us a little bit through how you identify additional ways that you can help clients, and and then how you introduce them to that? To sure. That yeah, I think you know on that quarterly basis when we're looking at goals and performance, we're also trying to brainstorm. Hey, what did we do on these other accounts that? these clients might appreciate Um, bringing clients, you know, internal case studies. A lot of times our clients say, Hey, what are you doing for other, other businesses that you think we should do? Um, It's one of the great parts about working for an agency too, is there's so many different industries and ideas and approaches to marketing that we're trying all the time. Um, It's cool to be able to bring those ideas to clients. So yeah, on a quarterly, if not, um, if we know they're not going to grow, maybe it's annual or biannual, but we're always trying to brainstorm as a team. Um, we also have in our game plan, which is kind of our strategy document that just yeah. keeps transparency there for clients. What activities are we working on? Yeah. We have a wish list tab. So anytime the client mentions something, um, we put it over there and we scope it out with a ballpark scope. So they know, hey, if it's a slow month, let's go over to the wish list tab and do something cool that okay. we normally don't have time to do. Or if I have an extra budget at the end of the year, yeah. let's brainstorm or let's attack the wish list. Um, Okay. You know, stuff like that. So we're kind of always thinking in that type of mentality, and then we're being really intentional about it on that quarterly basis. Um, and I think too, just having a slide at the end of your performance deck with what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, like here's what we learned from what happened, and here's what we're most excited about moving forward. Plus, here's your company's milestones and ways we could support it. Plus, here's this big idea we have that's creative and that's we think it would work for you because you know X Y Z. But I think if you can tie that conversation into the performance conversation, it's so much easier to get that win mm-hmm. because the client trusts you. They see movement um, and they're they're excited. They're just yeah. they want now when you propose something new and especially if you say, hey, we can do this new thing to get this metric even higher or this new mm-hmm. metric that we haven't focused on better um, because the fact you've done it before with other metrics and other activities, they're much more likely to to trust your perspective. I'm guessing. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Um, oh, you mentioned the the game plan. Uh, so I remember the first game plan. It was there was a visual to it. It was like a football field. Yeah. Right? Do you remember that one? You probably yeah, don't use that one anymore. Yeah. Wow, I'm really dating myself here. You uh, can download that too. Yeah. I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now, so tell me, tell a little bit about what the game plan is. Like it's, it, it sounds like it's a part of your sales process or right after your sales sure. process. Yeah. And in the sales process, we're trying to help clients figure out what the scope of their, their budget should be. Yeah. So we're mapping out at a very high level. Hey, here's all the goals you've set. Here's the strategies we believe will help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we agree on that. And then that just kind of gets them to a ballpark number. So we operate on points. How many points are we going to need every month to achieve your goal? And then um, the game plan will then translate into a monthly breakdown of what specific tactics they should see from us. And we have, you know, percentage complete. Um, what goal is this campaign aligned toward? What's the metric right there in the actual activity workbook? So there's always have access to it. Um, 
but yeah, and then we from there, our internal team will work with whatever project management system they're using. Most of the time it's Basecamp, but we'll put those tactics into a project management system. They have access to it, so they are. Com it's completely transparent in terms of what we're doing, what the progress is, and which activities align to which goals. Yeah. And so, at the end of the day, it's also um, getting back to the, you know, the goals and performance conversation. It's really easy for us to say, okay, Excel workbook, show us a pivot table of all services over the past four months. How many points went to brand? How many went to lead gen? How many went to sales? Um, okay. So we can tie those activities in a nice circle chart or a bar chart yeah. to the client's main objectives and say, okay, you know, we grew brand, but that was expected because all of your points went there. Okay. Got it. Yeah. The game plan is, is part of that performance conversation too. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And when you go from the game plan, actually doing the work, you tie it into a project management system. Do you have, um, not to say that your services are templated in any way, but do you have project templates that you, can reuse or that you customize or for each client? How do you do that so that you're ensuring that you're not reinventing the wheel with each campaign? Yeah, we have, I mean, we have some in our point pricing for agencies type of webinar. We have a few like a sample trade show, a sample lead gen, a sample PR thought leadership okay. type of game plan tab. And yep. for clients, we'll, um, we'll use those as a starting point, but then we'll really dig in if you're going to um, you know, a, a label expo trade show, we'll look for those top media and we'll, instead of media pitch, we'll have the exact media we want to pitch with the angle and right. stuff like that. Okay. So it, I don't think it's ever felt like a template to a client, mm -hmm. right. but it is part of that process, part of that starting point for our team to at least, you know, take the best practices we've learned from so many years of doing that for clients and yep. give them like a little bit of a head start. Yep. Got it. So, um, You've been in incredibly uh, transparent and generous here. I know this is going to help a lot of people. Um, you know, our our audience is like half marketers, half marketing agencies, roughly. Um, and so, uh, for for marketers that want to be more performance driven, what what do you what do you, what do you like? And just say they're starting at a pretty uh, new new to it. What what's your what do you recommend is like your your first step? What should they read or what course should they take or where would you go? I would say to get with leadership and see what their goals are for the year mm -hmm. and how they would define success for the marketing team. And then from there, come up with some kind of a documented strategy, too. I think, you know, having that written down somewhere and not just, you know, saying this is my goal for the year and yep. coming up with reasons why I think is a really, really good place to start. Yeah, agreed. I'm actually in the middle of writing an art, a full article. It'll be much longer than what I gave you, Sandy, on on how uh, Databox went from zero to a million in, in annual revenue uh, by by following like our goal setting process and methodology. So, so I'll, I'll uh, get that out there. But the book I wanted you to mention the book there is this, like, would you recommend? So your answer was great, by the way. But should, like, let's say they're really starting. Would you recommend the marketing performance blueprint or something else? Or do you have a course? Uh, do you guys have a course on that? I can't remember. We don't, but the marketing performance blueprint, of course, is a great place to start. There is yeah. a specific chapter on goal setting and digging into that. So it's yeah. really helpful. Like you know, it's logical. It's, you know, step by step. Yep. Um, but yeah, it has the methodology all laid out in there too. Okay, cool. And then, um, so flipping it over to agencies, I know it took me years to get Paul to share anything about how you do things internally. And now, of course, you're, you're like 100% transparent with everything. 
Um, but you've developed a few courses specifically for agencies. And I remember there's, there's one from a few years ago, which I'm sure is still very relevant. And then there's a new one on points pricing. Can you walk us through those a little bit? Sure. So we had the blueprint series um, and we recently just launched point pricing for agencies. Um, but it walks through basically how to roll out point pricing, how to win buy-in, um, how to train your team, how to train clients on how to use it. Um, it also includes, I think, about 12 templates mm-hmm. that you can use internally as well. Awesome. Cool. And for those that don't know what points pricing is, because it's somewhat of a, a newer concept, how would you describe that? Yeah, it's a, there's you know a fixed value for every service that we offer. So our clients aren't paying for time. There's no retainer. Um, Our retainers, if you want to call that, are X points per month. So the client gets 55 points per month. A blog post might be three points. A landing page might be two points. It's a menu of services just for that transparency and to put the onus on the agency to be efficient rather than if it takes me eight hours to write a press release and it takes Sandy two hours to write a press release, our client's going to pay three points no matter who does it um, versus the billable hour model where you would pay me eight hours and you would pay Sandy two hours to do the same exact work. Got it. Um, so yeah. the benefit to the client is, is they know up front um, how long it would take some to do and how many points that's worth. And they're paying for a certain amount of points. Yeah. A month. And it's Got less it. about how long it's more about what's the value of it. Got it. So, so yeah, on our end, the focus on the value and, yeah, and it's, it's a, your burden to do it efficiently, basically. Yes. Yes. Um, and then the benefit to the agency there is it, there's benefit to the agency as well, right? Oh yeah. Consistency. I think it's easier to sell, um, services and I think it's, you know, performance driven too. So we can show, Hey, X points went here. Um, this is, this is the result of these points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it just, it also is making it easier for us to have that wish list and do that initial scope and really show clients like, we have a lot of clients who are so familiar now with the point pricing. They're like, Hey, I have three points extra this month. I want to do a really easy like, Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. So, so they're coming to us with projects um, yeah. just because it's so easy to scope things. Right. So have you ever been to, um, uh, I think, I think you have children, right? Jess, you have two. And one. One. Sorry. Yeah. Um, he's little though. Still. He's, he probably hasn't been to those like arcades where they get tickets out of the machines yet. Not yet. We took them to, Chuck E. Cheese once, and okay. he, we didn't even like give him a quarter. He just played with all the games they were lighting up because they were just like testing. <laughs> so I entertained yeah. them for about an hour. It was uh, great. Be careful; it gets a lot more expensive when they actually want quarters. They, yeah, uh, you know, but at like, the end, they get tickets, right? And then they have to go to the counter and decide what they want, yeah. and that takes like a million years <laughs> because there's so many pieces of crap that they can't choose between. Um, and now, I, now they said piece of crap. I can't make it now. There's so many amazing things that they can choose between, and so that's probably what marketers are like, right? When they when they can't under, they don't understand the relative value of different services and the impact it has on specific metrics. So the point pricing pricing kind of fixes that, right? It makes it really easy for them to decide what to do. Yeah, and especially if you keep those initial hackathon ratings there, mm-hmm. they can say, okay, uh, we have five points. Here's what we're performing against this goal. Let's sort this by those with the most potential to meet that goal. Okay. So they can sort their wish list too and yeah. just be smart about it. Right. Exactly. Good yeah. story, Pino. You like that? Yeah, you'll see. Yeah. It's <laughs> painful. It's painful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.